Joining me now is Congressman Patrick McHenry. He is the Republican representative for North Carolina's 10th District. And welcome back to the program, Congressman. How are you? Pete, great to be with you. So um, first off, the convention, um, the Republicans thought they were going to be, what, in Jacksonville for a little while. And now they're uh, they went back to Charlotte, but now they're done in Charlotte. And now it's all just remote. Uh, and so... I don't know, this is kind of a weird year for a convention. And, and uh, you know, w- what do you think so far of uh, of how it's been going? Uh, well, I mean, the production value is better. I think the speeches were uh, mostly better than uh, what, what we get from a normal convention. Um, but it is so different when you don't have a crowd there. You don't have the cheers, you know, the feedback. Um uh, and we also don't get to show off North Carolina in the way that a, a, a real convention would. But but I would say, you know, again, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Republican. I'm biased about it. But the 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 it, it looked like a better program um, and got the production values, the, the the just just sort of the generic stuff of last week's convention, Democrat convention versus this week. Clearly, this is a better, better produced convention. And that's before you even talk about the content being so much better. I was really impressed with the first night's lineup of speakers, um, the stories that they brought, the way they told their stories. Uh, and I think the the nature and the lack of quality of attacks that I saw afterwards um, leads me to believe that they landed a whole bunch of solid punches because there wasn't a whole lot. I mean, I saw one quote fact check that said, well, Nikki Haley lied when she said that uh, we we or Obama and Biden gave John uh, gave uh, Iran a plane load full of cash. That wasn't true. And then there was like a report in their own newspaper that actually did have that information. Right? <laughs> yes, that it actually it did happen. Yeah. Of, uh, you know, a, a, a pallet pallets full of cash returned to Iran so they can fund terrorists. Um, no, but but I think that that also shows what. Um, when you tell the story about the economy that 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 Republican policies, conservative policies put in place uh, or or helped facilitate is probably the better way to say it. Um, I, I think the stories, the powerful stories of people's lives being changed for the better because they got to keep more of what they're earning because their uh, health care options were better, uh, that they had more control over their lives. I think those are powerful stories that make a huge difference. Stories are huge. Yeah. I mean, we human beings remember stories. They move uh, cultures. They move history. And uh, I think the more and maybe that's part of the problem, uh, you know, the Republican Party has had for a while uh, is that they is the inability to tell stories in a way that I don't want to say tugs on heartstrings, but, you know, has some sort of an emotional appeal. A lot of times I think Maybe Republicans, and I know I'm speaking to the, you know, to a finance guy here, but right, uh, but uh, I, I, I think maybe the that sort of draw has been lacking to some extent, and maybe that's why the first night's lineup was so powerful, so good. Well, uh, enough about stories. Let me show you a spreadsheet here, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> so, no, let's you, talk you, tax you, policy, right? Right. No, it, th- that that is the big problem here, which is you're trying to. As conservatives, we we don't want to draw on emotionalism, and uh, and the, the the fact is, people don't care about 
the the line the written line written word of of a policy they care about the its effects right mm-hmm. so when you're talking about safety well you can get into a mundane policy healthcare mundane policy what is the effect what's the net effect can am i going to be healthier am i going to be safer right um that's really the story. So if you're talking about somebody's life being adversely impacted, negatively impacted, that's a powerful story. And positively impacted is also a powerful story, but you have to knit it back into the why, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, for, for policy, right? So why do I believe in lower taxes and less regulation? Well, why? Because I think people, by and large, will do better if they get to, with their dollars, then the government will. I, I believe that people can make decisions in a healthier way for themselves and for their families and for their communities uh, better than uh, a distant bureaucrat can, at, now, no matter how well-meaning the, the regulation is. So how do you actually take this obscure regulation out of Washington that, that you know, I've spent two years trying to carve policy on this stuff, Nobody cares about the, the fact that it take, took me two years to go change like eight paragraphs. <laughs> they don't care about that. Now, they care about the fact that if you want to open your coffee shop, you could actually um, you can actually get a loan faster because of what I did, right? What is that going to do? Well, it's not going to change people's lives. It's not like the next Google Kids or something like, uh, you know, starting Google or Facebook. It, it's, it's actually something very achievable for for the average person to understand um, that you can get a loan uh, because of my work, not because of uh, of the, you know, eight paragraphs of policy. Yeah. Um, And that's actually one of the, you know, has a direct impact on more people, I would submit, uh, because they have that opportunity and it gets them thinking in a different way. It's one of the reasons why I was asking uh, the other day, uh, we were talking with some of the audience about, um, you know, why don't Republicans protest like Democrats? And usually the answer is like, oh, we're working, we're, you know, we're at jobs. And but like, what is at the core of that response? It is an idea that if you, you know, work hard, play by the rules, you'll be successful, you'll be able to take care of your family. And what is at the heart of that idea is a belief in the system and that the, that that there is faith in the system as a good one that fulfills its end of the contract, right? And it, because otherwise nobody would do these things. Um, and maybe like this is the the dichotomy between right and left. There are a lot of people that that are optimistic about that system being able to make their way in that system. And then you've got a whole group of the population that does not have any confidence in that mechanism, in that system. That's interesting. And I think that is that is a very um, well, that's something that as a conservative, I I don't even have enough perspective to, to see that. Yeah, right? It makes me so, sad. It, yeah, it's like sad if right? people don't believe that. Right. But it, and, and so when you said this, when you just said that you're exposing me to new information I and and it seems it seems silly that I say it that way, but. It's it's so obvious now that you have said it, and I didn't see it before, right? Before before you you explain that, but that is the fundamental here for for us. We have an election system. We know that we can make our voices heard, and we know that by and large we'll get about what we want, uh, not perfectly, 
And you have others that say, well, no, I, I, I you know, they may go out and protest, but not vote. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, that's a skewed sense of citizenship uh, <laughs> or a, right. A, yeah. Sort of a, um, an uneducated view of citizenship is how I, I would view that. Um, or you think that, you know, uh, throwing rocks um, is the way to get results. Right. Mm-hmm. And that to me is, you know, uh, it's, you know, w- what's a powerful protest? Well, the powerful protest is when harm is committed to you, you do no harm back. And that is so powerful because it is so, um, I mean, it's so risky, it's so dangerous, it's so painful, it's so awful that we all instantly go to that person who's being harmed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who is who is being harmed by the by the actors, um, and so um, uh, you know that's why you know when you think of Gandhi, when you think of uh, Martin Luther King Jr., they did something that was even stronger and bolder and um and 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 more valiant i would say yeah they didn't go out they didn't go put on gear and try to beat people up they went out and said no we're gonna be peaceful and we're gonna we're gonna walk along and if we are hurt we are we're exposing who they are not and 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 exposing who we are right right and in mlk's case it was to hold that contract accountable, right? To hold the system accountable for the promises that it makes. And if you're going to right. treat people equally, well, I want equality and I'm working within the parameters of that structure of that system. So why are you beating me up? I'm seeking redress. Right. Yeah. And it becomes, right. it, it becomes something people can then believe in and agree with. Right. Yeah. Which is, which is, it, you know, if you're saying we're all equal and I'm standing here, <laughs> not committing anything uh, not an illegal act other than being uh look different <laughs> right yeah um isn't that a hell of an example well yeah it is um and and that's i that's the 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 nature of that bravery is is different than somebody who puts on you know a, a helmet and brings a baton for a peaceful protest right mm-hmm. um you know, uh, you know, and wears a and wears a mask and goggles out there, and they said that they're there to you know make their voices heard. For you know, I'm like, I think I think we clearly see what you are. Right, right. We, we, we've and, heard you for eighty days. Like we, yeah. we we are aware of the message. Message received. Yeah. It's it's something else now. And so let let me ask you about the the violence that we're seeing. There's some of it in Charlotte, not to the extent that we're seeing in other places. Obviously, Portland, Seattle, and now uh, what is it, Kenosha, Wisconsin? After uh, that officer yeah. involved shooting, um, and so this is now becoming a uh, an election issue uh, because. Like I was reading earlier today, there was a focus group that was conducted. This one woman, uh, she runs focus groups, and she says, like, a month ago, this stuff wasn't even registering. People are now flipping. They're now shifting their attitudes against the protesters uh, because they're, they're seeing them, as you just said, they're seeing them for what they are. So this is now polling right behind COVID as one of the most important issues in this election cycle. Um, so I guess in a purely partisan way, how do you and the Republicans use this issue to show people that you'd be better off in charge than Democrats? 
Well, first, I mean, Tim Scott's police reform bill um, it was the, the right approach in terms of policy. And he can tell a powerful story yeah. that there are there are bad actors uh, that seek power. Right. And that happens uh, if uh, in the in the world of police and public safety, just as it happens everywhere across our society and across the world. Right. We have people that are that get into ministry and they're malevolent, bad actors. We so it's across the board in our society. So we have to have an accurate mechanism to get the bad actors that want to harm people and hurt people out of the system. Okay, we've got that. We also have to be mindful that there that there are uh, that there are continuing continuing problems uh, around race, huge challenges in our society. And we have to be we have to be I think open. Our eyes need to be open to that. Um, and I think that's important for all of us. Mm-hmm. Having said, but those two things also can stand alongside the fact that we have violent actors in our midst that are seeking to do harm. And they're seeking to do harm uh, for their own malevolent uh, purposes. And they're showing up and saying they're peaceful protests and harming other people and harming property. And we cannot, as a society, have a a civil society and allow that to stand. We cannot have cities, uh, and and the nature of a city is citizenship, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, that that is uh, an ancient idea of the connection. If you're gonna have a a gathering of folks, you have to have rights and responsibilities. Um, Rights, yes, responsibilities, yes, in order to have a a, a, have a lot of people in a, in a, in a, in an area. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think we need to also recognize that safety is, is a small business owner, uh, who may be a minority may not be, uh, but had their, had their, uh, business destroyed because of these quote unquote peaceful protesters. So I think you can, we can stand up for, uh, getting bad actors out of the police. We can also, uh, have our eyes open to the fact that we have we still have injustice related to uh, uh, racial discrimination that we have to that we have to work on and work through as a society, and we also need to have law and order so that these things can stand. We cannot allow our citizen our our, our cities to um, to be such disasters. And it's not Republican policy. Final thing I'll say on this is it's not Republican policies that are driving this stuff in the cities. These are all liberal cities. And um, and you have folks that are burning down their liberal cities. Um, it, it, so, it, it, you know, you look at Chicago and the, the mayor complaining that she wanted a good night's sleep. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and had private security uh, for her. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Or maybe it was I don't know, maybe it was Chicago PD that she had uh, guarding her place, but not uh, but not the downtown district, the business district. No, it's crazy. And so, and, and you saw this with Roy Cooper in North Carolina. So, you know, th- he calls out the National Guard uh, in the midst of, you know, uh, the, the violence and destruction in downtown Raleigh. He calls out the National Guard not to protect the, uh, the citizens of Raleigh, but to protect the governor's mansion. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, it's absurd cowardice when you see that action. Do the right thing for the citizens. Take a bold stand. And that's what we're elected to do. And it doesn't matter if, if those protesters are Roy Cooper voters. He needs to go out there and say no to the violence. Um, and, and same with these big cities. They need to stand up to, 
to you know the, these bad actors that are making uh, making people less safe. It really is sad after watching all of the efforts by so many people for so long to revitalize downtown districts and bring people back and get residential built and bring retail uh, into these areas. And I think like that, that whole movement, I think, is dead for a while Uh, because I don't like my wife and I, we had a place in uptown Charlotte. We would not go back there now. Heck no. Especially like the place we were was like three blocks from Charlotte Mecklenburg police headquarters. We would not be there now. I would refuse to live there. So uh, I don't, and I'm sure I'm not alone. So how do you attract more people back to these areas if this is the lack of security that they can expect? Well, you think about what Rudy Giuliani did for New York City. Yeah. And and made New York City the safest um, major city in the world. Uh, or major, save, uh, uh, sorry, uh, uh, safest large city in America. Mm-hmm. Um well, law and order and provided some basis that you're going to be protected. And that brought a whole variety of families and their willingness to, to raise kids in, in the city. Um, and that, that is, that's just, you know, in Seattle and Portland and all these other places that have been violent riots, it's quite disturbing, you know, and we also, in North Carolina, like my district in Western North Carolina, um, we've had uh, we've had peaceful protests, truly peaceful protests. People upset and concerned, and they want to show visually that they want to change. Okay, we 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 hear you, we see you, and that can be that you can get a good result uh, with with that type of action. Um, and I mean, Asheville and Charlotte have not been the good example, but there are tons <laughs> of other healthy right. examples in North Carolina. Yeah. No, you're, yeah, you're right. There have been peaceful demonstrations. Um, it, it has, and to your point earlier about, you know, Democrat run cities and stuff, I, I've been kind of curious as to why certain um, entities get targeted for the protest when it's actually the local governments that have the most direct control over setting police policy. Um, you know, some of their, their, some of the protesters choice of targets have been a bit confusing <laughs> over the last well, you few know, months. <laughs> you know, it's interesting is um, you, you see this coverage on at CVS, right? Uh, that um, like in DC, one of the common things to get, uh, uh, to get uh, robbed uh, a, a target of these, of uh, these "Quote unquote peaceful protests." Uh, they go in and they uh, go into CVS and clear out shelves and mm. run out of the store, right? And the reason is they're close to metro stops normally, hmm. and because you can go in and, and grab an armful of stuff and it's high high value stuff. Yeah, cosmetics um, and the like. Yeah, yeah. But what did CVS? How do they participate in you know systemic racism? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I mean. Like, like this is this is crazy stuff. Selling you, well, I guess selling you medicine is institutionalized racism. Uh, <laughs> I guess I don't know. Uh, yeah, it, uh, a lot of this stuff does not make any sense. Um, which actually leads me to the postal service uh, topic. Oh. Uh, so I need to ask you first off: uh, Are you part of the uh, the troops that go out and steal the mailboxes or lock them up as part of the the Trumpian plot here? Uh, do you have orders to steal mailboxes or load them into okay. your vehicle? Um, I 
Well, I look, Pete. I don't. I don't. I don't think I should say this publicly, <laughs> but you know, um, you know, it's amazing. I it, so you know the the postal vehicles. They have designed those postal vehicles um, that we all see, like mm-hmm. you know the little low vans or whatever they they are. Right? There's a name for them. The postal service had those designed in the late '60s, early '70s. And at the time that they did this, it was a sign of innovation. It was truly a sign that they were a competent, they were, a, you know, an amazing, uh, an amazing function of our government, right? Um, and now I, I saw, you know, drive down, driving down the highway just a week ago, and I didn't get, I'm driving, so I couldn't get my phone out to take a picture of it. But there was a truck that had three of those things on the back of it to be repaired, are right? you sure it's to be repaired, or was they were well, they taking? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I didn't I didn't see I did not see who was driving. It might have been the president, right? <laughs> I, I I don't know. Um, you know, it, I don't know. It could have been the family part of the, one of the family members. I don't know. Um, but but the 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 crazy tune conspiracy theory here that Louis DeJoy, right, who uh, got appointed uh, as. Uh, is postmaster general to go fix the economics of the postal service and to renegotiate contracts with third party, you know, the third party folks they carry for, mm-hmm. right? Meaning, um, meaning Amazon. Yeah, the right? bulk mailers. Yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that's what he went over there to do. And they're like, well, he went over there to slow down the mail. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. It's, it's, this is in an absurd Washington. This is the most ridiculous conspiracy that I've seen. Um, and it's like, it, it's, it makes Mueller, the, the Mueller conspiracy look like small. <laughs> like, or it, like you, you could at least say, well, I mean, I could see how, I could see how if you, if you piece together like, like, it, you have a beautiful mind, like from that movie, right? Right, right. And you, right? <laughs> or and you Charlie Day, together. the Charlie Day. Uh, yes. Yeah, the bulletin board with all of the <laughs> yes. yarn connecting everything. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. Yes, exactly. That is one of the. That's one of the best gifts out there. Um, so it could be something like something like that. You're like, well, maybe no. Like you still can't even do that, right? Um, so I, I went back to D.C. to vote on that absolutely stupid bill um, that does nothing because the postmaster general said, look, I'm not going to change any of the sorting machines or we're not going to change um, or people pick up and drop off and everything else. It's absolutely crazy. Tunes. Now, my theory on this. So, yeah, uh, my theory on this is looking at. Uh, it, so if you're a Democrat, you're Nancy Pelosi here you look at the lack of enthusiasm for Joe Biden, mm-hmm. right? And, the, and there was a, there was a lack of enthusiasm for Hillary Clinton. So they had Democrat vote, the votes there, the, the, the assumed turnout that they thought they were going to have did not happen because Hillary is weak. And so they, they're worried about Biden in that same way. So I think this postal conspiracy is about juicing their votes and getting them uh, you know, getting them um, mad agitated. to go vote. Yeah, yeah, agitated. Oh, all right. I th- I thought you were going to go. 
I thought you were going to go in a different direction. That that doesn't actually sound unbelievable at all. I like that's probably well, the case. <laughs> that's right. That's so, more than likely what's to, going on. <laughs> well, I didn't want to go. Th- this is not full conspiracy. This is like this is very much Democrat strategists worried about voter turnout <laughs> and knowing that in 2016 that was exactly why. That's why Hillary Clinton in the final weeks of the election was going around these campaign stops and saying, you know. Um, it was talking about abortion, right? You, that that's not a common thing you hear from politicians is, is spouting like a, a a very polarizing mm-hmm. social issue in the final week of an election, and that was exactly they had to get their people out, and that's what they wanted to do. Um, and so you know, um, and that's what they tr- that's what they've been doing to Trump, right? Is that he's going to basically I don't know I don't I I, don't, I haven't watched the the series where that, you know, that basically everybody gets, um, 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 what are the, 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 basically they're dressed up like nuns. What, what's the, what's the name of that? They're um, dressed up like nuns. Oh, yes. The, uh, oh gosh. I'm, see that, the, what, what a cultural landmark that was like a year ago. Two years ago. Yeah. yeah Handmaid's yeah. Tale. Handmaiden's Tale. Hand, yeah, yes. Yeah. Handmaiden's right. Tale. There we go. <laughs> Yeah, and how quickly even, we've forgotten. <laughs> yes, and I don't. Even, I couldn't even remember the name of it. So, uh, much less what what the heck they're wearing. But um, yeah, it's like it's all these theories that you know um, of what Trump's going to do. It's like give me a freaking break. Yeah, it is. It, it's it's. I mean, this one was one of the most amazing yarns I've seen spun, uh, even for DC standards. Um, I, I am. A, I did appreciate DeJoy's testimony. The other day, where somebody asked him, uh, "Are do, do you commit to you know to 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 put these machines back?" He's like, "I will not. No, I'm not doing that." <laughs> he said, this is, uh, I, I applaud the uh, the backbone and uh, you know telling them like everything you've just said are lies. These none of this stuff is happening. Um, so I don't know if it's going to matter because I think what uh, what you said is exactly right. It's about keeping the base stirred up and agitated uh, in order to keep them motivated to go vote and to do it as early as possible. Uh, because I think a lot of uh, well, this it actually goes to another. Uh, there was a Gallup survey that was done by and it was done uh, by or done by Gallup for Franklin Templeton, and uh, they they put this poll out to ask people about COVID and their their perceptions of risk and what they found was that people who are democrats um they have a wildly uh misperception of the risk a wild misperception of the risks uh for all age groups they think that people under the age of 44 are dying at rates of like 30 percent and it's like Mm 2.7 percent and so if they're panicking if they think that they're going to die from covid then yeah they're going to want their mail in ballots and so they're they got leaders that are keeping them all agitated using that very fear it's kind of sick and cynical but um oh it is yeah well and in fact in fact pelosi used you know talk about sick and cynical along those same lines pelosi said that one of the concerns in in the call callback letter one of the concerns was that uh, social security checks would be delayed um, we've not mailed social security checks in, in a decade. Right. Oh my God. So, I mean, so it's old school politics right. here and, and quite, quite frankly, look, I mean, the virus, look, th- there is, there is heightened awareness we need to have around the virus and there are reasonable things we can do. 
there are reasonable, smart things we can do. And uh, and hygiene is the at the basis of that conversation, mm-hmm. right? And and it sounds it sounds so insulting to to break it down that way, but it's true, right? Wash your hands, mm-hmm. stay away from people if you're sick. I mean, this is the basic stuff that we've tried that we've known about um, scientifically for over a century, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and And so what everyone wants to do is expand this thing into us just walking around and uttering complete fear rather rather than saying, you know, we know it's not safe. There there are things that are not safe that we actively do. We drive cars, Mm -hmm. right? We actually we actually put in front of us in an automobile a device that has these explosions in it, <laughs> right? Right. And, and and you could break this down in such a frightening and scary way. If you think about electric vehicles, now there's this idea that electric vehicles will explode, right? If they're hit in a certain way and everything else. Hmm. Well, we also don't talk about uh, cars catching on fire because it, it, that that is like an, a, a story that's understood. So the new story of electric vehicles bursting into flames like elon musk i thought that was from the uh, hand sanitizer being left in the car doors (laughs) 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 i thought that's why they were all exploding well it it, it goes back you know if if you're not scared media is not doing its job right that's how they've gotten uh viewers and audience and readers and listeners that's that's part of the formula has been for a century two centuries in this country Yes. Yeah. Nobody listens to the town crier or the kid on the corner if he's just saying everything's fine today. Read all about it, <laughs> right? <laughs> no one's going to read that paper. No. Uh, <laughs> no. And sad, but sadly, we're 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 we there. There are other consequences for scaring the hell out of people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, about the virus. Uh, one is a mental health uh, uh, piece of this, which is you know societal interaction. Um, is important. Human interaction is important for us as humans. Um, and, uh, and the economic impacts are real as well. Now, there are reasonable things that we can, we, we can do, we should be measured about it, and, and we can thoughtfully reopen. I think we can safely uh, have education, uh, a, a better you know, series of educational choices than we currently have. I think, there, I think there's a wide variety of things that we can and should be doing, uh, but we're not having a measured conversation about it. It's a push or pull. It's either all on or all off. And there's a lot of nuance in the middle of this with, with COVID. We want people to feel safe and we want people to have, um, well, I believe people should be empowered with information, good information, accurate information, so they can make a decision for themselves. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a, if you're in a, a health state that is such that, that, um, uh, you know, other risk factors. Yeah, you're vulnerable. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're in a vulnerable population. Then, then you need to understand what those risk factors are and make good choices for yourselves. But I believe fundamentally, most people uh, have the power and capacity to make good decisions for themselves, and they should be able to make good decisions for themselves, not by fiat of government. So but this goes back to that Gallup survey. If you've got a Democratic governor and you have a press pool that is generally left of center, they're not they're they have an unrealistic perception of the risks 
They don't even know. Again, it goes back to this Dunning-Kruger thing, which is you don't know what you don't know, right? They're looking at it, and they believe that the risks are great. They think that 50% of the deaths are occurring uh, uh, among 55 years and older, when it's actually 92% of the deaths are occurring in those age groups. Now, those are all tragic, don't get me wrong, but it's it's a misperception of the risks for everybody under the age of 55. So locking them all down does more harm than good. So well, uh, you have a policy creator, a policy maker who has a misperception, is surrounded by people who likely have the same misperceptions, and he's supposedly being held to account or being fact-checked by a press that is also laboring under those same misperceptions. It's a recipe right. for uh, for an echo chamber, basically. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And look, I mean... You know, I, I take this, I, 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 my family and I, we've taken this very seriously. I want to be thoughtful when I'm around people and, you know, um, and, you know, wear masks when I'm around people it, to make them feel comfortable. Right. Right. Same here. Um, right. And, and look, I, I, you know, I want to be thoughtful about it. But I, I, I was talking to somebody, a very well-meaning person, and he said, look, I, I wish, you know, I, I, I think it's really important that society take the virus seriously. And I said, I agree with you. And, and um, then the continuation, you know, you know, if, if there are deaths like this on heart disease or, or cancer, I, I think, I think we'd take it much more seriously. I think we'd take those things much more seriously. And I said, well, you know, sadly, um, you know, cancer has killed more people in the United States over the last year than, than COVID has. Yeah. Well, that can't be. That can't be. That can't be. Oh, it it is. Now, now Wait till you see the right, heart right, disease numbers. Good Lord, that's right. number one. <laughs> right now, now I said now. Admittedly, but well, no, that can't be. Well, then uh, please, you know, look for yourself. Like, don't, please don't. Please never trust a politician with facts and figures. <laughs> he okay, says at the end never... of this interview, thanks so right? much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But the point is, like, well, it's like, go, go verify. Go verify what I said is true. Right. Um, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Um, but you, because people should make, should, should make informed decisions and they should make informed decisions for themselves, not because they heard it from somebody else. Now, I will say that, listen, you, Pete, it, you can explain stuff so much better than I can. So, so often I'm like, oh, he said it so much better than I, I did. I think I'm going to take that. I think I could take, um, uh, but, use it, but anyway, use whatever you need. That's totally fine. But, <laughs> but, but I mean, on the virus, since we don't know all about it, it is a very frightening, uh, yeah. that's very frightening to us. And on top of that, we don't know the secondary effects, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the idea of blood clots uh, popping up later and, and all, all the, all these other concerns. I, so I, there is there's valid reason for concern, but I don't think that we've we've ever seen in our history government policy that has been um, so well intended but so misguided as we've seen over the last six months. Right? Yeah. I, I mean, like you know, CDC and WHO said don't wear masks in January in in February March. Right? Mm-hmm. Don't not only. Not only should not only should you not wear a mask; it's bad for you to wear a mask, right? That's one. Two. They said this thing will model out probably like the flu, right? Where the summer, you know, the the numbers drop to basically nothing, very very low, and they'll come back in the fall. That's not been true. So you know, 
the, the, the experts and they're, they are experts, but, but they're, they're paid to have an opinion. And even if they don't have full data to, to prove that out, um, and if they don't have full data to prove it out, then they may want to just scare you. So I, you know, I'm, I'm quite skeptical and, and I think smartly skeptical of all the experts right now because of how, how the last six months have played out. Quite frankly, and one of the, it's one of the things that has really disappointed me, and I guess I should have known this would happen because it's po- it's now political. But one of the things that's been disappointing is how uh, people uh, have a they adopt a a view, a position, an idea, an approach, whatever, and then they can't move off of that. It, it, and and like you just said, there is so much we don't know. It requires us to adapt and reassess and reexamine. It, was this the best approach? Was this working? You know, they're saying, oh, the mask mandate worked. That's what the governor's uh, secretary of health keeps saying. And he does as well that the mask mandate worked. There's no evidence that 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 proves that they just keep saying it. And like the fact checker at WRAL, like literally quoted three uh, experts who said you cannot make a direct connection between the mask mandate and the case decline, and yet they gave the governor of uh, or the, his secretary of health, Mandy Cohen, gave her a mostly true rating for her statement that is directly tied to the mask mandate. Like, come on, guys, you're undermining confidence in what you're saying. How can I trust you? Because now it's obvious that you you don't want to be wrong about anything that you did before. Um, but now I can't trust you when you come forward with a new proposal because you're not willing to say, oh, okay, that wasn't working or we thought it would help, but it actually had no impact. Um, so let's adapt to something different. Let's do something differently. They can't even right. say that. Um, right. It's just, it, 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 it's bad news. It is. And, and you know, in order to be an expert, um, you have to be serious, right? And you have to act like, on there, there's Reese. There's my two-year-old. Right. Well, she's. Is, this uh, is her second appearance on the program as well. That's that's true. Absolutely. <laughs> she she knows how to she knows how to find me. Now, if I'm if I'm working quietly, I I work quietly and I'm uninteresting. Right. Um, but um, but <laughs> but but look, I mean, the, the sad thing is for for our state response, a state that's been viewed largely as a competent state government. Um, this has been this has been very bad uh, on how 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 they've delivered. They've set metrics and then did not follow them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then have rather than making a decision about schools, outsourced the decision. And so I, I you know it's it's um it's uh, quite a quite a quite a crazy set of circumstances yeah um so i know your kids are awake from their nap and i've kept you way longer than i promised to you that i would i appreciate your time as always uh so i will let you go be with your family as if i'm letting you do that um (laughs) (laughs) well thank you pete i appreciate always great catching up with you and uh, always great to listen to you as well and learn from you. Well, I appreciate that. Take care. Congressman Patrick McHenry, the uh, Republican representative for North Carolina's 10th District.